We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Trouble with the Script. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Going to go with a different feel for this week's episode. Uh, we're not breaking down the authenticity of a single movie or TV show and no guest, which is unfortunate if you hate my voice. Uh, today, instead of uh, doing our usual episode, I'm going to take a crack at making the best fictional baseball lineup possible. Baseball seems to make up a massive portion of popular sports movies, and there's a ton of classic characters to choose from. So I figured it'd be a fun episode to kind of take a break from discussing movie after movie. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, we've got some great movies and guests coming up. Uh, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to do Blue Chips, uh, The Bad News Bears, and For the Love of the Game. Surprisingly, it, it's the first Costner movie that we've done on this podcast. We're almost 20 episodes in. You know, I, I consider Kevin Costner the, uh, the cream of the crop in terms of movie athletes, which I'll get into a little bit later in this episode. But uh, so, you know, really looking forward to doing that one. As always, please remember to rate and review if you're enjoying this podcast. Uh, those ratings and reviews do make a difference. We've gotten this podcast up into the top 150 for TV and film a couple times. So I'd love to kind of keep that up and, you know, maybe even break into the top 100. I'm honestly not 100% sure how uh, Apple podcast charts work, but uh, the, those ratings and reviews and, and sharing the podcast in general really do seem to help. And everyone who's... Um, who's given a rating, who's reviewed it, who's, you know, shared it on Twitter or anything. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think we've had a good run so far and I'm looking forward to keeping that going. When it comes to this fictional baseball lineup that we're about to do, uh, I, I want to hear from you guys. I'm at Trouble Pod on Twitter. I want to hear which picks you like. Uh, more importantly, what big mistakes did I make in putting together this team? Because I think that's way more fun to debate. Uh, so far this week, uh, you know, I've put out some hypotheticals you know, asking you guys on Twitter, you know, who would be your catcher, who would be your first baseman, etc. And uh, it's gotten some spirited debate. There's, you know, a ton of questions or a ton of baseball movie characters, really, that, uh, you know, they could they could be plugged in at most spots. So it's a fun debate. It's a it's a fun debate to have. We are going to do movies only, no TV shows, no video games. Uh, so, you know, sorry, uh, Pablo Sanchez, the the ultimate video game baseball player. But hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about you know how I did and and how you would change things up. So uh, with that, let's let's put together a ball club.
Okay, before we get going, uh, going position by position, I want to lay out some ground rules on how I'm going to put this together. Just just a few things uh, so we can kind of get a grasp of, of how I'm going about my team, how my selections work, and what for me kind of qualifies someone to to be on my fictional all-star team. First and foremost, I'm just doing fictional adults. That means no Benny the Jet, no Kelly Leak. They were great. They're really fun characters in their respective movies, but it's hard to do apples to apples when we're comparing adults to 12-year-olds. So you, you can't, you know, putting Kelly Leak in center field in between two grown men doesn't exactly work. You know, maybe the uh, the debate of the best child uh, or children fictional baseball players is a conversation we can have. You know, there's a lot of them. You got Benny and Kelly, uh, Amanda Wurlitzer from Bad News Bears, uh, you know, the, the crew of the Sandlot. You know, that, that's a debate we can have. Uh, that, that might be another fun mini-sode. If that's something you want, uh, you know, let me know. But, uh, yeah, so for anyone hoping that uh, my catcher was going to be Ham Porter, that's not going to happen. Um, number two, for me, realism matters. Uh, that's kind of the the spirit of this podcast is – realism and authenticity who feels like a you know a ball player who looks like a ball player it's not the end-all be-all because I'm not sure you could put together a full uh, a full team that is definitely all you know look like they've played baseball or great but it, it does matter so I, I basically biggest example of this is Steve Nebraska from the scout who strikes out 27 batters in a row in the big leagues and, and hits 500-foot home runs. He's not on my team. Uh, that I don't really like that movie, and it's it's just too crazy unrealistic. Uh, you know, that that's just not a thing. So uh, Steve Nebraska, not on this team. Uh, number three, we're going with only fictional. So that's no Shoeless Joe from Field of Dreams, no uh, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb from those uh, fictional biography movies. Uh, so yeah, just, just fictional. Uh, that one's pretty simple. Number four, I have to have seen the movie. Uh, I don't endorse what I don't know. You know, luckily I've seen my fair share of baseball flicks. I think enough to, to put together this list, but if I leave off someone completely, it might be because I haven't seen the movie and feel free to yell at me on social media for it. And then, uh, finally it has to be the version of the character we saw in the movie. So you think about Billy Chapel and for love of the game. Uh, he throws a perfect game in the movie, you know, spoiler alert, 20, 25 plus year spoiler alert. But uh, in, in that movie, he's also considered he's on his last legs. He's, you know, he's not throwing very hard. He just doesn't look great. Costner looks, you know, he looks the part, but you got to factor in that it was Billy Chapel on his way out. They imply in this movie that that was his last start. So we're taking the person we saw in the movie. We're not taking a projection or them at their peak. We're taking who we saw at the movie. If we saw him at some point in the movie at their peak, that's what we're taking. If we just saw him in you know their you know their dwindling years, like Billy Chapel and for the love of the game, we're taking that version. So with that, let's uh, let's get into the lineup. Starting with catcher, we're going right away behind the dish. Catcher's a tough spot to pick a, a single catcher in a fictional movie baseball team. A lot of baseball movies have made main characters or really likable characters be catcher, which makes sense. They're in the action a lot, both on the field, you know, as well as you can make them an integral part of the offense. You know, they, catchers typically take a leadership role. I think a few of the catchers I'm going to mention here do take that, that kind of role. But for me... You know, apologies to Dottie Henson, the star of A League of Their Own, played by Gina Davis, Jake Taylor, 
the the force behind the Cleveland Indians in Major League, played by Tom Berenger. And uh, apologies to Jack Parkman, who's the villain of Major League Two, but you know he's uh, he he can swing the stick. For me, it's Crash Davis. You know, you can't have been expecting someone else. You know, Crash Davis is salty as shit. He's still got some pop left. He's a switch hitter. You know, he handles the pitching staff. He really handles a nuke in that in that movie. Kind of guides him. Eventually, makes him a big leaguer. Hey, relax. All right, don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. He's everything you want in a catcher. Sure, he doesn't. You know, he's only in the show for you know twenty six days or so, but. As far as what he looks like in the movie, too, again, Costner, best movie athlete there is. You can't really can't really argue with that. He looks great, you know, hitting the baseball. He looks great playing catcher. He looks great on the mound as Billy Chappell's an aging Billy Chappell. He looks great in Tin Cup playing golf. Uh, you know, Costner did play at, at Cal State Fullerton, so he's got some athletic pedigree. But as far as it goes, you know, Crash is the pick. Crash Davis is he's the uh, the cornerstone of this team. He's the heart of this team. I was not going to pick anyone else. So that is Crash Davis, played by Kevin Costner from Bull Durham, catching. Let's swing over to first base. First base is another tough one. There's, uh, in, in, you know, especially in movies, first basemen are the you know the big hitters. Uh, in you know, plenty of of baseball movies, they've they've really been the top hitters in the movie. So that there's a lot of choice here too. It's a stack position. At other positions, it's a, it's a little more thin, but first base is a tough choice. First base is particularly a tough choice for me. Lou Collins, the first baseman for the Minnesota Twins in Little Big League, played by Timothy Busfield, was one of my favorites as a kid. I grew up a big Twins fan, obviously. We covered Little Big League a couple episodes ago with uh, Fred Siegel. You know, I thought we had a really good episode. Definitely check that out if you haven't. But, you know, as a, as a bleak Twins fan in the 90s, Lou Collins was, you know, Lou Collins was about the best she had as a uh, player you can root for until about the early 2000s for the Twins. It was like Lou Collins and Brad Radke and that's it. Um, you know, he's the most likable guy in the movie, at least, you know, likable player. He hits the ball well. Uh, it's tough not to pick him, but I'm going to pick someone else. And I'm going to pick someone who's really, in his prime, the opposite of, uh, of Lou Collins. Picking Stan Ross, played by Bernie Mac from Mr. 3000. For one, I, I just miss Bernie Mac. I love Bernie Mac. I enjoy him in this movie. Uh, I just find Bernie Mac extremely funny. But Stan Ross, he's he's actually not Mr. 3000. That's the whole gist of the movie. He finishes his career a couple hits short of actually being Mr. 3000. But you've got to be a hell of a ball player to get 3,000 hits, no matter who you are. So in this scenario, I'm not taking the Stan Ross we see for a majority of the movie. Uh, you know, we, we see him... You know, old, out of shape, learning how to be a team player, can't really hit, etc. We're taking that guy from the beginning of the movie who still rakes, you know, retires right when he gets three thousand hits. He's kind of a dick, but that's why you have Crash Davis at catcher. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna steer the ship. He's gonna keep everybody in line. And I I don't think there's a first baseman in pop culture in these movies that can compare with a guy who's got the swing for three thousand hits. Bernie Mac doesn't look bad in that movie. You know, he's, he's not the best. He's not the best-looking swing. Um, and I think that's probably Clue Haywood from Major League. But, you know, he's not a main character. You know, he rakes for that one season, but we don't know a whole lot about Clue Haywood. 
you know, he he could be a, a one or two season wonder. Uh, same with Jack Elliott, played by uh, Tom Selleck in Mr. Baseball. You know, he he gets shipped over to Japan. He's definitely not a guy who uh, who could get to three thousand hits in the big leagues. So I thought Stan Ross was the pick. With apologies to my guy Luke Collins, three thousand hits. What can he do? Or you know, two thousand nine hundred ninety nine hits at the end of the movie. But same thing. From there, we've got second base, and that's where things get a little tougher. I feel like at, at catcher and, and first base, you know, there were guys we didn't mention. You know, Gus Sinski, played by John C. Riley, and for the love of the game, you know, didn't even get a chance to touch on him. Uh, Billy Brewbreaker and Summer Catch, played by Matthew Lillard. A lot of options. Second base, there's really nothing. For a while, the first person who came to my mind was Wilmer Valderrama's character in Summer Catch, and you don't really know anything about him as a baseball player. You only really know that he uh, he sleeps with his host mom. But thought back to episode two of this podcast, we did A League of Their Own. And thinking about that, the clear winner is really Marla Hooch, uh, played by Megan Cavanaugh. It's slim pickings at second base, but Marla really does rake. She rakes in the gym in the first scene you meet her. You know, rakes against grown men, grown men who, uh, who aren't at the war. She's just taking out windows in that gym left and right. She's one of the best hitters on the team. She probably is the next best hitter besides Dottie. So it's really Marla and everyone else. There's not really a movie second baseman, at least one that I can think of, who's even worth slotting into a lineup there. It's it's her and Wilmer Valderrama, and I feel like that's an easy pick. So Marla Hooch at second base is is the play. There, there's not really anyone else. Heading over to third base, it's almost like second in that there's really not many choices, which is surprising because third base, for a fictional baseball movie, it seems like it'd be an easy place to slot in a compelling character. You can have a big hulking dude who hits bombs. You can have an exciting defensive third baseman, you know, kind of like a Nolan Arenado type. But movies seem to skip over third base. Uh, You know, there's only a couple choices. It really came down to Doris Murphy from A League of Their Own, played by Rosie O'Donnell. A lot there depends on how much you can put up with her New York accent. Uh, there's Ray Mitchell and Angels in the Outfield, and I'm I'm going to come out and say I'm not the biggest Angels in the Outfield guy. It's you know I, I get it. It's one of those feel good '90s sports movies. It's you know considered a classic in terms of you know in sports movie terms, you know kid sports movies. So you, you've got Ray Mitchell, who's the, the third baseman played by Stoney Jackson. I'm not a big Angels in the Outfield guy. He was the best player on the team, but it's not my pick. My pick's got to be Roger Dorn. He's played by Corbin Burnson. You know, I really wanted to go in a different direction here. I, I wanted more options, but you just can't deny that the guy actually turned it on in the second half of that movie for the Indians. You know, he he wasn't the team player in the beginning of the movie. He was honestly kind of a dick. But, you know, towards the end, he overlooks, for the most part, that uh, his team's best pitcher had just slept with his wife and instead you know, focused on winning the pennant. Cut through the crap, Vaughn. I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this motherfucker out! So you, you kind of love that in the clubhouse. He's another guy who... You know, could go off the rails a little bit. We're not going to talk about him in Major League Two, but he's someone that if he's in your lineup, you know, he he was good. Corbin Burnson, you know, was fine on the field. You you always enjoy that scene of him taking grounders off his chest and and that whole thing. So, again, in kind of a a slim picking spot, Roger Dorn is the play. He's probably the most, he's one of the more, more famous 
fictional baseball names. Uh, He's pretty legendary. Rounding out the infield, we move over to shortstop, and that's where things are kind of really surprising for me. You think about who's the best player on your little league team, who's the best player growing up. He's playing shortstop. You know, think about famous baseball player, you know, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez. Shortstop is the, the most important defensive position, you know, aside from catcher, but it's where you play your best athlete majority of the time. You know, the classic model is that A-Rod shortstop who's your three-hole hitter who can hit 300 with 40 home runs and win a gold glove. Baseball movies haven't gotten that message. There's really nothing when you think about it. Uh, you know, think about Major League. You can't even name who the shortstop is, really. Uh, you know, Little Big League. All these movies, there's really... They they focus on outfielders. They focus on catchers. They focus on first basemen or pitchers. Shortstop, surprisingly, for the first time in you know baseball history, gets left out of the equation. It, it's kind of wild. I, I was really out of choices. Did, didn't have many options. I'm picking Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and before you you know crucify me for that, I'm picking Benny the Jet Rodriguez from the end of the movie. As you know, at the end of the Sandlot, an aged Benny the Jet uh, steals home. So he's definitely not the Benny the Jet of you know of his prime, but he's Benny the Jet where he's fast enough to still steal home in the major leagues in his 40s. The Jets got a suicide lead, and and there he goes. He's stealing home. They don't see him. I don't believe. I'm just going to assume that he's still got the lateral movement and ability to play shortstop. I'm assuming that's that's how Benny made it to the bigs as a shortstop. So I'm making a lot of assumptions here. But, you know, on this team, there's really no one else. So I'll take an, an older, you know, late 40s Benny the Jet with a sweet mustache. I, I think that's I think that's the pick here. So we still get the beloved Benny the Jet character in. It's just him as a as a mid forties guy who can still run a little bit, which you know you gotta gotta take what you can get at the shortstop position in fictional movies. So now we get to the outfielders, and outfielders is is full of heavy hitters. That, that's where a lot of teams focus their or a lot of movies focus the the best players on. And right away, let's go to right field, and we gotta you gotta pick. It's gotta be Roy Hobbs, uh, played by Robert Redford in The Natural. And before you say, oh, he's not realistic, you know, obviously he takes all that time away from baseball and, um, you know, has the Wonder Boy, has his bat, whatever. Roy Hobbs is essentially Josh Hamilton's 2010 MVP season. Guy falls out of baseball for years, finds his way back in the show, and then, you know, he lights the league on fire for a short period of time. For Roy Hobbs, that was one year. For Josh Hamilton, you know, that was a handful of years. But, you know, they're very similar. I'm gonna say that Roy Hobbs is realistic. That you know the hitting the cover off the ball thing. That's happening. You've seen ball, you know, laces get busted or anything like that. Robert Redford has a great lefty swing. That movie looks great. The Natural just looks really good. I I enjoy the Natural. 
you know, uh, Redford looks like he played baseball or looks athletic. So you can believe him. And, and I've talked in this podcast before, there's a sliding scale of action. You know, the earlier the action is supposed to the athletic, you know, competition is supposed to take place that the natural, I think takes place in the fifties or something like that. The earlier it's supposed to take place, the less athletic, the less modern it really needs to look, which is kind of obvious, but there's less of a standard. So, you know, if you were doing a baseball movie that's set now, there's a higher expectation for how everything needs to look, how athletic the guys need to be, how fast they need to throw, how fluid they need to be as athletes versus the 50s. Because you look at, at footage back from the 50s and all those guys don't look very athletic. They were. They were, you know, very good for their time, but things just look a little bit different, a little bit slower, a little bit less fluid. So... You know, I've talked about that sliding scale before. All that to say that Roy Hobbs, as you know, played by Robert Redford, he looks good. He, you know, he's he's probably the best hitter on this team in terms of you know, is a fictional hitter. He's probably hitting you know, if you're going by uh, t- today's saber metrics and where your best hitter should hit, he's hitting in the two hole for this team. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the lineup, frankly. It's it's too much work, but. Roy Hobbs, for me, is an easy pick in right field. These next two spots in the outfield are fun because they're both played by Wesley Snipes. Center field, it's got to be Willie Mays Hayes uh, from Major League because you got to hope that Hayes just balls out and swipes 100 bases like he said he was going to. You hope he's not replaced by Omar Epps. Now, I wasn't thrilled about how Wesley Snipes swung the bat in Major League but it's not bad, and he does look like he can fly. I don't know if he can fly, but they really make it look like he can absolutely fly. He makes sense as a you know just a no doubt center fielder. You know anyone who even has the confidence that they can swipe a hundred bags is kind of like Ricky Henderson esque. I think that's kind of what they based him off. Willie Mays Hayes is a center fielder. There's just no doubt, it's obvious. And then in left field, it's it's Bobby Rayburn from the fan. It's essentially Willie Mays Hayes if he took steroids. And it's kind of fitting because Bobby Rayburn, in a lot of ways, is really Barry Bonds. He's a big free agent signing who's picked up by the Giants. And if you think about 90s Barry Bonds, the years before he allegedly got on the juice, I mean, he was still one of the top five players in baseball. He was incredible. And that's what they based, at least in my mind, it's kind of what they based Bobby Rayburn as uh, just you know a bulked-up left fielder for the Giants. Uh, you know, He starts out rough when... Uh, Benicio del Toro's character, whose whose name escapes me right now, when he's uh, he's killed by the crazed fan, the subject of the movie, you know, Bobby Rayburn starts to go off, you know, kind of sh- shows his stuff. So you know, in the outfield, you got tons of power. You got Hobbs and Rayburn at the corners. You got Hayes in center with the speed. And we're talking again. We're talking Major League Hayes. We're not talking Major League Two Hayes, played by Omar Epps. So you know, that's a solid outfield. Hobbs, Hayes, Rayburn, you know. To, uh, two parts for Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes has had a sneaky good sports movie career. He's had The Fan. He's had Major League. He's also had White Man Can't Jump. So really a good sports movie run for Snipes. As far as outfielders that we need to apologize to, there's T-Rex Pennebaker from Mr. 3000. I've honestly always hated that name. I I feel like whoever wrote that movie was like, oh, we got to come up with something super cool. T-Rex Pennebaker, th- that's not the move. That's not the play, but he is the the cover boy for MVP Baseball, which was the baseball video game back in the day. I feel like my eyes are a hundred times worse because of how much I stayed up late playing that game. 
So that counts for something. Uh, I, I didn't pick a DH on this team, but it would have to be either T-Rex Pennebaker or Pedro Serrano, played by Dennis Haysbert, a.k.a. the All-State guy, a.k.a. the president from 24. It, it was tough to leave off Serrano. I think there there might be some argument in putting him in left field instead of Bobby Rayburn, but Serrano was he was super inconsistent. You kind of get the gist that he didn't hit at all in uh, – for a lot of the season, he couldn't hit a breaking ball at all. So he's got he's got light tower power, but you know, is he as good as Bobby Rayburn, who justified being a big free agent signing and is kind of like Barry Bonds? I don't think so. I love Pedro Serrano, but I'm pretty happy with my outfielders. Now it's time to move on to the pitching staff. Starting pitching and pitching in general is pretty rough when it comes to sports movies. Not many guys have gotten on camera and look good throwing the ball. It's something that we've brought up in past episodes when we've done baseball movies, and it's something that I'm kind of incredulous about in terms of I'm just so surprised how often that movies cast actors who don't look like pitchers or who don't look like they've ever thrown a ball before. So when it comes to picking a pitching staff, There's a lot of options in terms of memorable characters. There's a lot of good memorable characters. Not as many guys who look the part when they're on the mound. So kind of got to, you know, pick and choose here and and let some, some guys who don't look quite the part still be on the staff because they're memorable characters. And when you talk about guys who don't look the part but are memorable characters... For me, that's Eddie Harris, uh, played by Chelsea Ross from Major League. When we when I did the Major League podcast, we broke down Major League with uh, Darren Vaught from USA Baseball. I think we both named Eddie Harris as our, our worst athlete in the movie. Just, I mean, he was always in his late 40s, looked like he hadn't thrown a baseball in forever. But, um, you know, the fact that he's out there just soft-tossing it up with every foreign substance he can find from Crisco to snot, you know, he's like the, the salty, if he ain't cheating, he ain't trying vet. And, you know, for that reason, I love Eddie Harris. He's he's on my pitching staff. We're going five guys. I like having a salty vet like that. Next guy is the classic Nuke Lelouch, uh, played by Tim Robbins and Bull Durham. Bull Durham, for me, is a gold standard of baseball movies. Tim Robbins famously threw out his arm, I think, in one of the earlier days of filming. So it looks like he's throwing with a rubber arm and not in a good way. Uh, looks like he's throwing about 50 miles an hour. That being said, the character itself, in just the movie, it's hard to turn the guy away. You know, he, if you're just basing it off the char- character, not how he actually looks, you know, he throws gas, he's a little quirky, hooks up with Susan Sarandon, that's got to count for something. He's just likable. Hey! Why are you shaking me off? Huh? I want to bring the heater to announce my presence with authority. To announce your what? To announce my presence with authority. To announce your fucking presence with authority? This guy's a first ball, fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. Uh, you want to root for Nuke Lelouch in that movie. So he's in He's in my pick, uh, or he's, he's in my pitching staff, and I, I don't see how you can't pick the guy. Uh, he, he's probably one of the more memorable pitching characters in in baseball movies. Going a little less famous, quote-unquote, for the next pick, going with Mike McGreevy, who's played by Scott Patterson in Little Big League. A little more low-key of a, of a character than your Eddie Harris or your Nuke Lelouch. 
But Scott Patterson was actually a former first-round pick in real life. You know, we touch on that in the Little Big League episode. He's one of the few dudes in movies who really looks like he's throwing the ball. Like, he's humming it. Got a, you know, he's got a good livery. He's got that strong pitcher's frame. He's not as much of a likable character. He kind of comes on at the end. But in terms of a guy who really, so kind of making up for having two guys who are likable characters who don't look like they're really, you know, bringing it on the mound, this is the opposite. McGreevy, you know, Scott Patterson does a great job. He's one of the more realistic pitchers in, uh, in baseball movies. So he makes the cut for me. Next up, next guy I'm going to slot in is a pitcher from the film Summer Catch. It's not Freddie Prince Jr. It's not Ryan Dunn. It's Eric Van Lemer, who's played by Corey Pearson. Freddie Prince Jr.'s Ryan Dunn would be the, the typical choice. He's the star of the movie. But I'm going to take the guy who gives so little fucks that he turned down $2 million from the Dodgers. He's in the cape to try to get him to bump it up to $2.5. $2 million would make him one of the top 15 bonuses in the 2001 draft, which is uh, which is the year the movie came out. So, you know, he's a stud. He's a top prospect. I think uh, the actor himself looks like he threw the baseball pretty well. I did some digging. There's a Corey Pearson who played some some low minors in the early 90s. I think it might be the, the same guy. They're born the same year. They don't have quite the same birth date, but it could just be a mix-up. I'm going to believe it's him because the the actor actually looked like he could throw the ball a little bit. You know, he had that tacky flaming glove that's in the uh, the tacky bleach blonde tips, but that was kind of the, it was the times. It was 2001. It was a weird time. But in terms of the movie, his, his character's movie pedigree, you know, is being a guy who got offered a $2 million bonus, which at, at that time was humongous. I mean, it's still a lot of money. And a guy who could throw the ball pretty well, look good on camera, I think he's worth, you know, I think he's worth putting on the squad. I don't think uh, he's not as, as thought of as other movie characters, other movie pitchers, but he holds weight. His case holds weight, you know. Finally, the fifth member of my pitching staff, my starting staff, is Rick Wild Thing Vaughn, played by the incomparable Charlie Sheen for Major League. We're going with, uh, I'm going to encompass this into both movies because. The decision on whether you make him a starter or a reliever, I was kind of torn about because he had a great rookie year as a starter once he got glasses, you know, came out of the bullpen in the film's final scene, uh, the big chill moment for me. Give me Vaughn. You want Vaughn? I know he hadn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's due. Good job. But in Major League Two, you know, he's he's working as a starter again. He's working on his secondary stuff, kind of loses his fastball a little bit, comes back in the bullpen, you know, same thing. Major League Two, they, you know, they played the hits. Same movie, you know, eight years after or whatever it was. But 
I'm going to go with him as a starter. Uh, you know, Charlie Sheen, as I said before, you know, as we said in the uh, the Major League episode, he looks great on the mound. You know, I think he was up to 86 or something like that. Really looked like he could actually throw. And then the character himself, it's, it seems like he had a good rookie year. He was up to start that final game against the Yankees. They just went with Eddie Harris, the vet. So, you know, I'm buying into to Rick, Rick Vaughn's potential as a starter. I think that in terms of potential starting pitchers in baseball films, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find five better than Rick. There's really no one here who I'm saying, oh, well, apologies to this guy. You know, there's Mel Clark from Angels in the Outfield. Again, I've said I'm not a huge Angels in the Outfield guy. I think Charlie Sheen looks better than Tony Danza throwing the ball. So, you know, Rick, Rick's how I'd like to wind up my starting pitching staff or wind down my starting pitching staff. I believe in Rick Vaughn. Uh, Charlie Sheen, not so much. Uh, long, long road for Charlie Sheen. Get into the bullpen. The bullpen, I think, was the most fun to pick in terms of, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, of choices. You know, some guys I, I left out, uh, you know, I could talk about Bowers from Little Big League, the closer who falls asleep until the end of the game in Summer Catch, uh, a move I really respect. You know, I love just snoozing until you're ready to pitch. So I, I picked three guys. Ryan Dunn, the aforementioned Freddie Prince Jr. from Summer Catch. I don't love how Freddie Prince Jr. throws a ball. I'm really looking forward to to covering the movie Summer Catch down the road. But Ryan Dunn does make it to the big leagues. He gets homered on by Griffey, uh, or homered off. But, you know, he makes it to the big leagues. It's And you need a lefty. You need a lefty in the bullpen. So Ryan Dunn and then uh, John Blackout Gatling, played by Bradley J. Leslie from Little Big League. You know, he was a first-round pick in real life. I don't know if he was a first-round pick, actually. I'd have to go back to the our little big league episode, or I'd have to just do a little more prep on this episode that I didn't do. But he he played pro ball. Uh, I think he think he made it fairly high, and he looked the part. He was intimidating. He was really Kenny Powers before Kenny Powers. It's something that, that Fred and I talked about in the little big league podcast. You know, I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't want to face him in the eighth with the game on the line. I say the eighth because he's not my closer. I said that Blackout was the original Kenny Powers. My closer is Kenny Powers, played by Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down. The bases are loaded. He shakes off a sign. Now he's ready. 3-2 pitch. Struck him out! Oh, fucking out! has done it. Atlanta wins this series. Listen to this crowd. I was handed the keys to the kingdom. Multi-million dollar deals. Endorsements. Everyone wanted a piece of my shit. Make no mistake, Danny, Danny McBride looks awful throwing a baseball. And that's part of the joke. You know, the... Uh, the first scene to Eastbound and Down, that kind of intro where they show the downfall of his career in you know three or four minutes, is amazing. And the best part is Danny McBride and his delivery and his glove that he bought from Walmart, and they're you know showing him popping the gun at 101, and then 96, then I think all the way down to 80. I don't think you can pick anyone else to be fictional closer. He's also the only player here from a tv show not a movie i know i said movies earlier but you can't talk about baseball and not talk about kenny powers kenny's just a fan favorite 
It's hard to pick against them. And it's also really fun to imagine looking down at the bullpen or looking at that camera in the bullpen and seeing Blackout Gatling and Kenny Powers, you know, together. They both got mullets. They've got goatees. They look really sweaty. They look like they're just coming off a bender. And they're sitting next to Ryan Dunn, who's Freddie Prince Jr., who's one of, you know, objectively one of the most handsome men of the 90s. It's a really, it's a, it's a fun compare and contrast. So that's how my bullpen shapes up. You know, again, three men bullpen aren't really a thing, but I, I think that was that was what was worth kind of putting effort into with this team. In terms of manager, I'm not apologizing to anyone. It's Jimmy Dugan. It's Tom Hanks from a league of their own. I think uh, Rob Fox and I talked about that when we did our league of league of their own episode, and Tom Hanks kills it in that role. He's he talks like a baseball guy, really cares himself like a baseball guy. He even chews tobacco like a baseball guy. Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love that's three feet above your ass. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No, no. And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. It's not surprising that Tom Hanks knocked his role out of the park, no pun intended. But, you know, maybe apologies to Lou Brown in Major League. Everyone loves Lou Brown, you know, pissing on Doran's contract. You know, everything that Lou Brown brought to the table in Major League. But for me, it's it's Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan. It's probably my favorite in sports in general, it's my favorite coach or manager role in a, in a sports movie. He it's just really enchanting. He doesn't pass my my brick wall test, which I do on on some episodes. You know, what I run through a brick wall to play for this play for this guy. That mostly applies to kind of football coaches. But I would love to play for Jimmy Dugan. He he carries the film a league of their own, and I mean it's Tom Hanks. It's America's dad, so he needs to be America's fictional baseball manager. With that, I think that wraps up what I'm calling the fictional baseball all-stars. Again, I really, really want you to reach out on Twitter at TroublePod or even Instagram at Trouble with the Script Pod. Let me know what you think. Let me know if I fucked this thing up royally. Let me know if you like my picks. I, you know, I'd love to have a debate on this. This is one of the most you know, fun but meaningless things to debate on is what make-believe guy is better than the other make-believe guy in baseball. So, yeah, I just want to do this, change it up for a week. If you think I put together the best fictional lineup possible, leave a review. Let everyone know that you thought I put together a great lineup. If this is, for some reason, your first experience with this podcast, go back, look at other episodes, uh, see if we've done some of your favorites. Baseball movies we've done, we've taken down, you know, Major League, League of Their Own, Little Big League, like I talked in the podcast. Uh, Also, you know, destroyed trouble with the curve a while back it was a really enjoyable one with keek law uh, make sure you're subscribing share with friends 
and you know anyone who likes sports movies anyone who appreciates authenticity in sports movies like i mentioned off the top we've got some exciting episodes coming up we're doing blue chips uh shack and penny hardaway in their prime really fun movie to rewatch. doing bad news bears doing for the love of the game which you know i'm looking forward to really talking kevin costner and, and everything that he brings to sports movies so make sure you're subscribed and we'll catch you next week thanks Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.